Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Jonathan Barker Butler joins us once again to bring us news from outside our country after. Sean, Jonathan. how are you getting on? Uh, right, so what is the Europol ploy? The Europol ploy is a scam uh, that is affecting a lot of people in Germany at the moment. So what appears to be happening is uh, that people are receiving a phone call. It's an automated message that tells a person that he or she has been a victim of identity theft. Okay, And they're then told to press one. When they press one, they get through to an operator who gives them further details of the apparent uh, identity theft tells them that there will be a follow-on call from somebody from Europol and sure enough just after the phone gets put down another number comes up from this so-called Europol number which looks to all intents and purposes as if it's real right so right. like various different people who've researched this have looked at the number and they've basically put it into Google and sure enough it comes up as Europol right so what the Europol officer the, the alleged Europol officer advises the victim to do is to buy several Google Play gift vouchers or Amazon gift vouchers or various different things and hand over the serial numbers to the Europol person and their identity will be given back to them, right? So there's there's various different strains <laughs> to this thing. They also get you to download software and that kind of thing. Now, it sounds to us, you sort of think of it and you say, how could anybody fall for such an elaborate sort of scam? But what's happened appears to be happening here in the way that the... the the uh, investigators seem to think it's working is that these people are going for quantity over quality. So they're basically spamming or spraying or whatever the term mm. is. All of these different people, right, picking up numbers. It doesn't matter your age or your gender or, you know, whether you're on social welfare or working for yourself or whatever, right? doesn't matter at all. They're, they're hitting everybody. So it's not just old people. And if they pick up two or three in every thousand that are successful, yeah. they're doing quite well, right? So the figures are quite startling, right? The Federal Network Agency, who's Germany's telecommunications regulator, they said that since February, there's been 22,000 complaints about various different phone scams. Over 7,500 of them, so a third of them, have been this particular particular Europol or Interpol, as it's also known, ploy, Okay. The various different states that are investigating this aren't giving away the amount of money that has been stolen yet, but Bavaria did for some bizarre reason, right? And Bavaria makes up about 15% of the country. And they say that so far, since February to the middle of June, over 2.5 million euros has been extracted from people through this particular scam. Wow. Right? So if you, you take that Bavaria is only 15%, and you do a rough estimate yeah. and maybe bring it down a little yeah. bit. It's quite a bit of money, all right? Um, but they don't know who it is. Uh, it seemed, they seem to think that maybe it's a call centre in either India or Pakistan, but the calls are being routed through several different countries. So the scammers are trying to cover their tracks and they're finding it very difficult to uh, to track the scammers down. And uh, it's ongoing. So the only thing they've been able to do now is uh, issued warnings to people to put the phone down if somebody from Interpol or Europol appears to be ringing you. Yeah, what's it's a, a very strange one. What's very interesting about that is if you Google the phone number that comes up, it yeah. comes up as the Europol. How they yeah. manage to do that? Well, that's a, I guess it's, yeah, I guess it's a sophisticated way of. I'm sure you've received these calls because everybody has been over the last few months. They appear oh, to be yeah. from mobile Apparently numbers. Apparently, I was charged a million quid by Amazon there the other day. All oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Well done. That's you Thank get you. Very, yeah. paid very well. But <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but yeah, I got a text saying your Amazon yeah. bill is due and it's you know eighty quid or something. Press this button. So you know. 
know, I, I pressed yeah. it out of curiosity, and then some guy came on and said, uh, "Yeah, it's your Amazon bill is due," and I said, "Okay, what's my name?" Uh, I, uh, and then he hung up. Right. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> so he's just doing that all day long until yeah. some, you know, Egypt goes. Well, that, yeah. uh, that's exactly yeah. what these guys are doing as yeah. well. And uh, But as I said, there seems to be so many strands to it that you'd wonder how they get away with it. But 2.5 million euros in Bavaria alone would appear to be uh, that they're having some success. Yeah. Great. It's it's a slightly more sophisticated and cheekier version of the old Nigerian prince who uh, now are, you know, we can look back fondly on those times. Uh, right, uh, North Macedonia, uh, we're, we're going to go to uh, next. And uh, is it, it, might they be coming, are they on the path to becoming members of the they, European They Union? are, yeah. After a long struggle, it has to be said, poor North Macedonia. I mean, it's only a small country there, uh, just over two million people in it. And you might remember four years ago that in order to join NATO and NATO and to start uh, accession talks into the European Union, they had to change their name uh, to placate the Greeks. Right? Yes, there was yeah. a dispute about Macedonia. So that's why they're now called North Macedonia. That was four years ago. Two years after that, so in 2020, the Bulgarians decided that they were going to scupper their chances of getting into the European Union. And this has its its base in, in, in very historic roots, all right? To, to kind of say briefly, Bulgaria basically feels that North Macedonia owes Bulgaria an awful lot of um, cultural kudos, right? So right. there's many people in Bulgaria who basically feel that North Macedonia isn't really a country and that Macedonian is just a dialect of Bulgarian, all right? Now, okay, this is... Yeah. yeah, so it's one of those kind of things, right? Now, obviously, from a national identity point of view, a new country, because it's only been a country, North Macedonia, since 1991 is very uh, eager to hang on to whatever identity it, it, it can hold to, you know, differentiate itself from the bigger countries around it, right? We we would kind of know that mm. ourselves. Yeah. Um, but the Bulgarians, as I said, they put a stop to uh, them uh, starting those accession talks back in 2020 because they wanted to be recognised as being a big player in their history. Mm. And the North Macedonians weren't having any of it, right? So what's happened is... Last month, Bulgaria voted to lift the veto uh, against uh, against North Macedonia joining. But in return, they wanted North Macedonia to rec- recognise a few things in their constitution. And that's what it looks like has happened as of last week. Okay. So today, they're actually starting their uh, accession talks along with Albania. So it's a, it's a big day for them. Okay. Not everybody's happy, though, in North Macedonia because they feel that they're giving away a little bit too much uh, to the Bulgarians. But hopefully over time that'll pass. Uh, crikey, though. How, at the end of it, how big will the European Union be? Uh, <laughs> yeah, Togo we're going to go to uh, next. And uh, the army's apart. Oh, God, there's seven teenagers killed. Yeah, very sad story. Um, seven teenagers. And this is just a, an indication, I think, of the pressure that an awful lot of these countries are uh, under in this part of the world. Um, Togo's army on Thursday said that it was responsible for a blast that killed seven civilians and injured two more. They were all teenagers. Effectively, what happened was they thought they were jihadists um, and they had received intelligence. There was a night flight uh, flying around in the area in the north of Togo and it basically uh, bombed these uh, these nine teenagers that were on the move. Um, So it was a case of mistaken identity and I think also a case of a government and a an army that is under constant pressure. So, you know, when we started talking about 
um, extremists in this part of the world. You might remember it was way up north. It was mm. up in Mali. And since then, it's come down to Burkina Faso. And now this has gone from the border of the South Burkina Faso over into Togo. So we're, we've attached a new country now all of a sudden to this spread of yeah. extremism in that part of the world. And it's very worrying. So back in May, eight uh, military personnel were killed in an attack in the region that hasn't been claimed yet, but it's thought that extremists were involved. And so since last month, uh, it's been uh, under a state of emergency. So a lot of nerves, a lot of tension in the area. And this is unfortunately what happens as a result. Yeah. That is tragic. All right. Right. Uh, Brazil, uh, we're going to go to next. And uh, and uh, uh, a death there and uh, tears and attention in the run up to the elections. Yeah, there's, this is going to be very interesting over the next few months uh, and hopefully it won't get out of control. So, as you know, there is presidential election in Brazil in October. Right. Yeah. So what? we're only four months away. Right. So the two main candidates are Luis Inácio Lula da Silva, otherwise known as Lula, okay, head of the Workers' Party, also known as PT, and then, of course, uh, Bolsonaro, okay, so Jair Bolsonaro, who's been president since 2018 and is, of course, very controversial. The two yeah. guys absolutely can't stand each other, right? There's no doubt about it. But in terms of... <laughs> You'd hope. Well, absolutely. <laughs> but, the, but the inflammatory language that's coming from particularly Bolsonaro is quite staggering, right? And yeah. he's, been, he's been quite provocative, it has to be said. And over the last couple of weeks and months, as the campaign has started, there's been a few things that have happened at rallies. So there was one event, I think, two weeks ago in Rio de Janeiro, where somebody threw feces in a crowd at a, at a, at a looter rally. In another case, a couple of weeks beforehand, a drone was flown over and raw sewage was dumped on people at the rally. But now last week, something far darker happened. A man by the name of Marcelo, uh, Marcelo de Aruda was killed at his own 50th birthday party, right? So he was a secretary um, in the or party treasurer in the local um, PT Workers' mm. Party. He was a member of that party and for his 50th birthday was hosting a Lula-themed party, okay? Yeah, yeah. It was on a Sunday morning and uh, a man came in who... It transpired was a, a supporter of Jair Bolsonaro and shot him three times. Now, this man, Marcelo de Ruda, managed to return fire. Uh, and so this guy who, who was the perpetrator of the crime is actually in hospital and fighting for his own life at the minute. Um, but it's left Brazil in a bit of a state of shock, given that they really don't want to go down this particular road again. I mean, they've had a violent past before. Mm. Um, Bolsonaro and his inflammatory language uh, seems to be encouraging his followers, although he's denying it, uh, to take it to another level. Um, but it's it's a concern four months out from the election. And Bolsonaro himself was, was, was stabbed yeah. quite yeah, seriously. Yeah, he was stabbed just before he won the election, actually, yeah, and uh, nearly didn't make it, actually. So, so you know, he, he might think about toning it down, but, I, I mean, he, he models himself on Trump. I mean, he's nearly mm. worse in many respects than Trump. And this is a guy who's already said that he thinks that electronic ballot bo- boxes aren't particularly reliable so he's edging towards maybe uh, you know saying that the election has been stolen from him so it'll be very interesting to see what, what transpires here over the next few uh, weeks and months Are there any indications who the winner might be? Oh Lula's miles ahead he's double right. digits ahead at the okay. moment and, and of course you know he's coming off the back of a lot of sympathy because you remember he was thrown in jail back in 2018 yeah. for corruption and of course those corruption charges were then taken away from him and he was released from prison uh, because the prosecutor and the judges were seen to be in cahoots. So he's riding a wave of sympathy and Bolsonaro isn't doing so great. Okay.
Uh, right, we'll go to New Zealand uh, uh, next. And while you thought that the presidential election can uh, raise tensions, there's nothing more fractious than a battle over a bicycle lane. What's happening? There sure isn't. Uh, this is a dispute between local businesses in central Wellington and uh, the Wellington City Council, right? It's over the Newtown to City Cycleway. So Newtown is a suburb of Wellington. It's about four kilometres south of... Wellington Central Station, all right? So if you were to get on a bike and cycle into town, it would take you about 20 minutes, all right? So they're mm. making a... This is part of a bigger 166-kilometre bike scheme, um, that a bike lane that they're putting together that's supposed to be ready by 2031. And the Wellington City Council basically decided to fast-track the building of this particular cycle lane, all right? And not everybody was happy because there were local businesses, particularly there was four car sales uh, uh, <laughs> places um, that weren't particularly happy because their their car parks would have been taken out of commission. And they felt they hadn't been consulted, right? So they went to the High Court. They mentioned this whole thing about the, you know, the car parks and how it would affect their business. And the judge decided to put an interim stay on the, um, an interim order to pause the construction of the cycle lanes, right? And he said, come back to me in September and we'll do a judicial review on this. Now, I think the judge was being quite clever here because he was probably saying, right, nothing's going to be done between July, August and September. So maybe you two, uh, the council and the businesses could come up with some sort of a solution. So sure enough, the council have come back and said, "Okay, look, we'll uh, we'll we'll take an out of court settlement, no money or anything like that. Just basically, look, we'll come up with a deal. We'll come back to you. Six week consultation process and we'll see what we come up with. And uh, everybody seems happy so far. So there you go. Okay, these things can be resolved. Absolutely. What uh, what should we look out for uh, over the next week or so? Yeah, lots going on over the next few days. Uh, This week, I don't know if you remember that um, person, Nicholas Cruz, who was responsible Mm. for the Parkland High, uh, the Valentine's Day shooter, he shot 17 people. Um, And he's going to be sentenced this week. He could get sentenced to death or get life in prison. Um, So that's in Florida. And I'd say there might be quite a bit of coverage of that, certainly in the United States. The Tory leadership, of course, is, is, is happening all week. And I think they're going to be whittled down to Three tonight, is yes, it? Yeah. And then two the later in the yeah. week. And then on Thursday, we can all relax. It's International Yoga Day, which I'm sure you'll be very much involved in. Oh, I'm, I'm so bendy, you wouldn't believe it. Jonathan uh, DeBarca Butler, thanks a million thanks, uh, as ever. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.